Thank you, New Zealand, because from all over your country, this great country, you have reached for hope and you have voted for change. Earlier this evening, I called Christopher Luxon to congratulate him on Nationals' results. While it's MMP and the numbers are likely to move around a little bit before the final count, as it stands, Labour is not in a position to form another government. I've long said that getting elected is not an achievement, it's an opportunity to do good. We are all New Zealanders who seek one five millionth of the opportunity this country has to offer. I must say that when we first said a few years ago that we were going to make a comeback, they all laughed at us. But they're not laughing now. Your work has delivered a Green Party campaign that has once again defied this is our awakening to MMP. You know, we've gone as a rhetoric where they say, oh, you must have these two big parties. That's, that's first past the post stuff. That's 1993 stuff. And so our people are now starting to wake up to the power of MMP. And I also congratulate Winston Peters on New Zealand's first return to Parliament. And I appreciate his comments this evening that he is willing to help where needed. And if we can help going forward, we will. When the tide comes in big, it almost invariably goes out big as well. That is the nature of politics. But the Labour Party is still here. We're not going anywhere. And we will get up again like we have many times before. Yeah! New Zealanders have chosen change and our new government will deliver it. And we will get this country back on track. Kia ora, I'm Tova O'Brien and welcome to this very special episode of The Pod. It is the aftermath of an incredible night for National, a bolt from the blue. 39% of the party vote and 50 seats. Christopher Mark Luxon is New Zealand's 42nd Prime Minister. As things stand, and before the half a million special votes are counted, National and ACT can govern alone. David Seymour's party secured their best ever result, 9%. That's 11 seats in the Parliament. So no need for Winston. At least for now. But New Zealand First are back in Parliament with 6.5% and 8 seats. The other big winner of the night, Te Pāti Māori, their highest ever percentage of the party vote, 2.6% and 4, 4 of the 7 Māori electorate seats. But on the flip side, a shocker for Labour. Chris Hipkins has had his chips as Prime Minister out of the top job after less than nine months. His party pummeled by National with just 26.9%, 34 seats, their second lowest percentage of the MMP era. Mixed fortunes for the Greens, a strong showing with 10.8% and 14 seats, very, very close to their best ever result, but out of government and now with minimal opportunity to influence policy. Coming up on the pod, we have heavy hitters from all six parties, Chris Bishop from National, Megan Woods from Labour, David Seymour, Acts leader, James Shaw, the co-leader of the Greens, Shane Jones, the assumed Deputy New Zealand First Leader, and Te Party Māori's President, John Tamahere. And then we will have some expert analysis and predictions from our Brains Trust, Luke Malpass and Andrea Vance. Nationals campaign chair Chris Bishop joins me now. Morena Bish, congratulations. How are you? Have you slept? Good morning. Uh, I could use some more sleep. Uh, I've had, I think, two and a bit hours. I was on a a 6am flight to Auckland this morning. So, um, yeah, I could use a bit more, but, um, you know, you can sleep later on. All right. What's the the vibe check in Camp Blue this morning? 
Oh, look, we're really good. It's the morning after the night before. Uh, obviously, a great result for us last night, and so we're just sort of waking up and um, uh, getting together this afternoon with the senior team to uh, map out the next few days and the next few weeks. Um, but yeah, obviously, we've had a, a, a strong mandate for change um, overnight, which was really great news. It was a roller coaster, wasn't it? Because there was that emphatic victory early on for National and Act that kind of settled into this one seat majority that you've got now. How did that play on your nerves as it changed over the course of the evening? Yeah, look, those early votes came in, um, tend to be from the sort of more uh, rural areas um, historically, and also obviously the advance vote was quite strongly for National mm. on the day, a bit of it um, not quite as strong, and so as that sort of flowed through, and so I think we at one point we were up to 65, 66 seats with Act, and um, obviously you know settled um, down around the early 60s, um, but the overall take-home point is there's a very strong mandate for change, um, and you know, look, elections are roller coasters. I mean, my own seat of Hutt South, um, you know, it was tight for the third election in a row and it always will be tight and so you just sort of rise and fall a bit. Um, yeah, but I, you know, I enjoy election night even if it's nerve-wracking. Yeah, congrats on that as well because I know how much that seat means to you. What, what are you picking, Bish, once the, once the specials are counted, once the Port Waikato by-election has been held, how do you think this is going to settle in terms of a seat majority for, for you guys? Yeah, you just have to wait and see a bit. I mean, there's half a million more than that actually asked uh, uh, special votes still to count. It's about 20% of the vote, so one in five um, votes have not yet been counted. Um, and historically, Nationals lost a seat on the specials, in fact, sometimes two. Um, whether or not that holds this time, I think, is a bit of an open question. Um, uh, so, you know, we lost two in 2020, uh, but that was, a, you know, obviously a, a you know incredibly strong result for uh, Labour in 2020, which obviously this one isn't, sort of by definition. So, uh, we'll just have to wait and see. Just not sure at this point. Um, I think it's likely we'll lose one seat, um, but not sure. Likely you'll lose one seat and then gain in the, the Port Waikato by-election, so you'll kind of end on this one-seat majority you've got now. Yeah, but then you've got the overhang floating around as well with the Maori Party uh, and their seats, and, and obviously there's some tight uh, tight races there as well um, in, in Auckland with Tamaki Makaurau and uh, Te Tai Tokarau. Uh, so, yeah, look, it's a bit of a moving feast at the moment. We probably won't get a you know very clear sense of it until um, until the special votes are all counted and declared. What does your gut say? Will you need Winston? Uh, well, as the leader said last night, Christopher said last night, um, we, we have made a... Uh, we, we were, you know, essentially heartened by his uh, comments to his own supporters that, uh, you know, he's, he's there to help and serve and, and play a constructive role. I'm sort of paraphrasing a bit, but that's basically what he said. Uh, and so, you know, last night Christopher said in his speech that, um, you know, he, he acknowledged that and, and his return to Parliament alongside colleagues in New Zealand First. And um, obviously we've got a strong relationship with the ACT Party. So um, let's just uh, see how the next few days plays out and, and um, see how it goes. So what could that look like? Because one of the scenarios that's kind of being put forward is perhaps a, a foreign minister outside of cabinet type role or, or maybe other ministerial responsibilities outside of cabinet for New Zealand First. Is that what you're thinking? Well, let's, let's just wait and see where things go. Um, you know, clearly um, Mr Peters has, has served in a variety of capacities before, um, but look, let, let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. It's, it's sort of, um, you know, it's, it's the day after the election um, and there's still um, a bit of a way to go and, and a few results to digest and, and still some results to come in too. Not ruling out Winston Peters as Speaker though, are you? Well, <laughs> Jenna Lynch <laughs> asked me that last night and as I said to her on camera, I'll say to you, you know, not everything's a binary. Um,
you know, uh, there are shades of grey and, and not every question can be answered with a yay or nay answer. And it's also not my decision either, by the way. Uh, that is ultimately, well, this, in terms of the speakership, that is, that is ultimately Parliament's decision. Um, mm-hmm. But but look, there's a long, long way to run uh, on all of these issues. And and now that the dust is kind of settled or is due to settle, um, to Party Māori, could you, could you reconsider some kind of coalition agreement or cooperation agreement with, with them? Uh, no, um, I don't think that is going to happen. In fact, I know that's not going to happen. Um, they're, they're just fundamental values are just too misaligned with um, national. And so no, that, that won't be happening. But um, obviously a very interesting series of results in the, in the uh, Maori seats last night. Uh, and, um, you know, acknowledge the strong campaign that the Maori Party have run are you uh, give, across those seats. Yeah. Are you going to give David Seymour his referendum on the treaty? Oh, look, there's many ways to run in terms of forming up the government and the coalition negotiations. Um, you know, we've got our uh, clear sense of priorities and, and um, David Seymour and the ACT Party have got their own as well. And, um, you know, we'll, we will meet um, in the coming days and weeks and um, but there'll be uh, discussions. I'm not going to get ahead of them. And, um, but that, but that's, not, on the, that's on the table. On that's on the table, right? Well, it's not, it's not for me to comment on that. Let, let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. Um, it's the morning after the night before and... Um, you know, uh, he's had a strong result. We've had a strong result. We're, we're, we're both um, in a position to form a government, um, and uh, we'll just go forward from there. Game of two halves. Rugby politics was the winner on the was the winner on the day. Will Will Nicola Willis be the the deputy prime minister? These are all decisions for the uh, the government formation process, which which we have not even started yet. So. Uh, my answer to all of these, uh, you know, questions about who will be getting what and who's going to do what and what will be happening, totally what won't be happening, and all the rest of it, all of these things will be, uh, you know, discussed in, as you know, in, in due course. Um, and, I, and I think New Zealanders appreciate that. Um, you know, this is the system we have. You know, back yeah. in back in the days uh, pre '96, um, you know, people would wake up and it was very clear what the government was. Um, the morning after, that, that's not the case with MMP. The system is designed uh, like that. In fact, that's what some people like about the system. So. Um, there's, you know, there's a bit of time uh, to, to work out exactly how things will look, but um, you know that that will happen. And you know, I think the take-home point for New Zealanders is that the government has changed, and so the people that voted for change have got that change. Exactly how that change looks, uh, well, that's you know, that's obviously going to be um, up for discussion. When are you going to pick up the phone to Winston? Chris Luxon still hasn't called him. Is that a bit disrespectful? Yeah, well, it's uh, it's 10 a.m. on uh, Sunday morning, and uh, we've had an All Blacks game in the meantime as well, and. Uh, you know, <laughs> you only got home last night at half past three. It's, so it's eleven. Uh, it's eleven. It's eleven a.m. You're in a time. You're in a time warp. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's eleven o'clock. Is it? Oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, look. Um, I'm, I'm sure. Um, that, that, that we're meeting this afternoon as a senior team to just talk about the next few days, and, and there's, there's plenty of time. Um, you know, the, the weekend is. Uh, the weekend on a Sunday has only just started. So right, time left in the day. Totally fair. And just quickly, will you at least give us, a, like grasping at a strand of certainty in amongst all of this um, uncertainty, will you give us a time frame as to when we can expect a government will will be formed so that we're not in these kind of protracted negotiations? At least a I month? can't do that. I can't do that. But uh, as I said before, there's, there's, uh, there's a very strong vote for change and it's just about forming up what that change looks like. And, uh, you know, as Christopher, um, you know, the, the, the Prime Minister-elect has said, um, you know, we want to hit the ground running. So um, that, that will be guiding our, our, our plans from here. All right. Hey, we'll get, have a nap. Um, enjoy the, 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 the sweet, sweet smell of victory. And um, we'll check in again, Bish, when, um, when, when things start rolling on. Yeah, no doubt. Talk again soon. Morena, Megan Woods, Labour's campaign chair. Commiserations. How are you feeling this morning? 
Oh, Morena Tova. Look, I think obviously not the result we either hoped for or wanted. Um, and we, we've lost some friends and colleagues from the estate. So um, um, it, it's not what we wanted or hoped for. So it's, it's a pretty difficult day for a, a number of people. That's one of the things I think that gets lost in some of the madness of election campaigns and election night is that a lot of people's jobs and livelihoods and, and lives are on the on the line, right? Lives are on the line. Oh, look, absolutely. Not only MPs and candidates, um, but also staff mm. that work in the building. And I think I think that is something that people don't always appreciate, that it's not it's not just a blood sport, um, that there are people people involved there too. Uh, but look, we'll, as Chris said last night, we will pick ourselves up, we'll regroup, we've done it before and we'll do it again. We talked just a few days ago, Megan, you were dead cert that you'd win. Did you know in your gut when we were talking last week that it would go this way? Look, I think what we were seeing was a bit of a momentum swing to Labour, and we saw that with how the vote came in. The early vote obviously um, was um, was not as good as the vote that came in from the on-the-day vote from the booths, that we did see Labour pick up both party vote and also in seats. We saw uh, vote swings up there, so we definitely were seeing that surge, but look, it wasn't enough on the day. You didn't lose just the the blue seats that you'd gained last election, but you lost some of those safe as houses Labour seats, Mount Roskill gone. You nearly lost Mount Albert, Wellington Central, half the Māori seats. What was the message voters were sending to to Labour? Look, I think um, at the end, that mood for change um, and... um, that that was too strong. It was out there, and I mean, we're seeing that around the world as well. I'm I'm not making excuses for us, but I think we can see incumbent governments around the world who were there during COVID, facing that kind of mood for change momentum. Um, and definitely, I think everything that Auckland has been through in the last couple of years, and it's been through a lot. I think that we saw that reflected in some of the outcomes that we saw there. But we're going to have to go through and have a look at all of this now. Um, not only the absolute numbers, but also turnout, all those kind of things that you'd expect us to be going back and reviewing after an election campaign. Were there any particular things, and and fully appreciating that you are going to do that review, but are there any lessons from the campaign that you're already taking stock of, perhaps the tone and tenor of the campaign? Look, too soon for that, Tova. We have to go back and, and do analysis. It's kind of, it's that, you know, the, uh, we, it's simply too early to make those calls. But we will go back and ask ourselves the hard questions. We always do. And we certainly will after a loss. Um, well, 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 one of those, will one of those questions be, did we go too negative? Uh, look, um, I, I don't know what the terms of reference for the for the campaign review will be, but there will be one. We always do one after every campaign, and we'll look at a number of facets. But I'm sorry, I simply can't answer that question this morning. That's kind of for the coming days for us to kind of, in coming weeks even, to hammer out those things. Losing the kind of liberal metro vote in places like Wellington Central and, and Auckland Central, is that a message to Labour? Give us the wealth tax that we wanted. Look, too, too soon to answer that question, Tova. Um, I mean, I think one of the things um, that we'll have to look at um, goes across 
good does the whole sweep from policies we were standing on through to the mechanics of the campaign and turnout. All those are things that we'll need to. So I think it would be kind of easy to jump to any kind of conclusions, but I'd rather that we go back and systematically examine this. Any chance that Labor could campaign on a wealth tax this term, that it could come back? Oh, look, do so. Let the dust settle. Not, just not ruling, not ruling that out, though, right? I'm not, not. I'm not ruling anything in or out. I'm telling you, this is the day after the election. We've just lost. Um, we need to digest. We need Fair. to um, understand what our caucus is going to look like. Who's going to be there? So I'm not getting into any discussion about possibly possible uh, policy platforms. It's not the day for it. And, it's and, simply there. But and on that, how many resignations are you expecting? Oh, look, I mean, again, that, that's not something I can answer this morning. Um, we need to get together as a, as a group. We've lost a number of people from our team, and I think anyone can appreciate uh, in their own workplace um, that, that that's a, a difficult time. We need to have some discussions. We need to understand uh, where, where everybody and each individual is, is seeing themselves, and I can't, I can't give you any kind of number on that. Have you had any early conversations about that, people like Grant Robertson, no. Damien O'Connor? No. David Parker, Andrew Little. No. No, no conversations, Tova. What I do want to say is I just really want to thank all our volunteers around the country that have been working incredibly hard. We've achieved, you know, records, direct voter contacts, the the number of phone calls and doors that they went out and did. Um, campaigns aren't just about the the people who are front of house in, in terms of the candidates. There's there's thousands of volunteers behind them, and they gave this their all in their hearts, and I really want to thank them. Totally, and they're really community-minded people as well who go out there and Absolutely. fight for their communities, no matter no matter the party. Um, so total called that. What 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 about what what now for for Chippy Megan? He's been re-elected the MP for Demutaka. Will he promise to see out a full term for them? Look, I think you heard in Chippy's speech last night. It was very much about kind of you know dusting ourselves and getting back in in in, in fighting. Um, that he gave um, no indication that he's going anywhere. But I mean, I'm not answering questions for any individual, any other individual other than myself around what their plans are. If he opts to stay on, will Labor allow him to stay on as leader to the next election? Oh, look, I, th- I think this is a premature discussion. There's no, there's, um, that's not even a scenario that's on the table. Oh, we need supposed to, to say yes, of course, of course, he's going to be leading oh, us through. Oh, 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 of course, he will be leading us through. But I'm saying that. Um, sorry, I actually misheard your question. I, th- I thought you said if he opts to leave. Um, that's not a scenario that's on the table. But of course, Chippy has the full support of our caucus. I think people respect. Um, he came into this job nine months ago. Um, incredibly difficult time for anyone to come in and he's done a fantastic job leading, leading us through. And just finally, you're, you're planning on staying on for the full term? Yes. All right. Yes. Hey, Megan Woods, thank you very much uh, again and commiserations again too. Um, take care. Okay, thanks, Tova. Ex-party leader David Seymour, or Deputy Prime Minister David Seymour, welcome. Hey, look, thanks very much. It's nice to see you, Tova. And congratulations, how are you feeling? Yeah, real good. I mean, a few things. Um, You know, X had a a record result. 
Um, but the way we always look at that is that people have just trusted us a lot and we're now going to have to work double hard to repay that. Um, and the same goes for the people of Epsom have elected me um, for a fourth time. I'm, I'm very grateful for that trust and so we, we keep working there. Um, and I think uh, Brooke becoming the MP for Tamaki um, you know, is, is really a, an enormous thing. It's Brooke's birthday today. so um, birthday, Brooke. Have yeah, a yeah, 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 Double yeah. your workload. Yeah, 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 exactly. So um, uh, I think that she's going to be a, a tremendous representative. But I think it also shows um, acts appeal widening in ways that probably some people wouldn't have stereotyped us. So it's a really positive thing. Deputy Prime Minister? Um, look, it's far too early to talk about that kind of thing. Finance, first of all, you, Finance Minister. You've got to get the policy settings right first. So, you know, we always said we're here for the, po- the policies for people rather than positions for politicians. Do you need to wait for those special votes to be counted before you can launch full throttle into any coalition talks with National? Well, what I, what I expect is that Chris and I and our respective teams will talk tentatively about how it would work. But if you're a Democrat, then you have to respect every single person's vote. Um, and of course, there's about half a million people whose votes you know, are still sealed up and haven't actually been counted yet. So um, we, have to, we have to go through the proper process there. Do you, do you feel like you can fully celebrate or do you still have that Winston Peters shaped sort of Damocles mm. kind of hanging over you and you and Christopher Luxon's heads? Well, there's a lot to celebrate. I mean, number one, people have voted for change and, you know, record numbers voted for ACT to get some reality and make that change real. Um, so that's a positive thing. Um, but you're right that, you know, if you have to have three uh, parties, that's a lot more complicated than two. And I don't think the voters have quite given us their full feelings on that question. And you told me just before we, we sat down and hit record that you wished the result was more decisive. Oh, totally. Look, I mean, there's so much that New Zealand needs to get sorted and a lot of people feel we can't wait. Well, you know, we've got to wait another couple of weeks. Uh, if the result was a bit more decisive, we wouldn't have that period. But hey, look, that's democracy. And and how long are we talking for the coalition negotiations? Because that was one of the things mm. that the, the country was kind of threatened mm. with in terms of the, this kind of fear of instability around coalition mm. talks two months, potentially, if New Zealand First was in mm. the mix. Can you guarantee that we're not going to be staring down protracted talks like two months long? Um, Look, as far as ACT and National goes, I think we can give that guarantee. I mean, Chris and I have a good relationship. Our parties come from slightly different places, but largely going in the same direction. Um, So I think we can put together a a good deal so that both parties can work well together. Um, If, on the other hand, you've got a a third person in there, then um, I think New Zealanders who have watched politics for a long time don't need me to tell them uh, how that may look. Winston Peters kind of offered that olive branch in a speech last night to the National Party, and I suppose by extension to act that he he would work with you. Could there be some? If there's only one seat in it, could be could there be some kind of governing arrangement where Winston Peters is outside cabinet foreign minister type type role? Is that an option? Ah, uh, look, that that is an option, um, and it just depends on you know is it worthwhile getting another person in there to make sure that you've got full security um, versus do you actually want to make sure. Um, that they're you know in the tent in your day-to-day decision making, and again, I think those possibilities. I mean, you can do the maths and work out how each one falls, but the truth is, maths is no good if you don't have numbers, and the voters haven't given us the full numbers yet. And and at what impact will the and my condolences as well to your um, to the ACT Party Fano and the Fano of your of your candidate in Port Waikato. What impact will that have on the on the numbers if we can talk politically about it? 
Sure. Well, first of all, thank you for acknowledging um, Neil's loss, and he was you know, a tremendous guy. Um, his his service will be held on on Tuesday, and um, we're, we're looking forward to giving him the, the send off he deserves. But um, you know, there is a, a, a quirk in in our electoral system that means um, that a by election will be held, and whoever wins that will be an additional MP. Um, it seems unlikely that Andrew Bailey, the incumbent, would not win that. He's won it by a reasonable margin. Uh, even when there was a large swing against uh, the right, there's, there's now a pretty large swing on in favour of the right. I mean, whoever thought that Labour could lose Mount Roskill, but there you go. And nearly um, lost Mount Albert. Nearly lost Mount Albert, yeah. Um, so, you know, you put all that together and you think, hmm, it seems to me that, um, you know, Andrew Bailey would be likely to win that seat again, effectively adding one to the right. And I, I know people like to argue about those rules. I actually think the rule is correct because, uh, first of all, if, if somebody dies in a campaign, I I don't think that we should just carry on as if nothing happened. Mm. Um, and second of all, and there is a more sinister undertone to that rule, that nobody should ever be able to benefit from the death of a candidate. Um, and that, I think, is a, is a good thing to have. In terms of uh, some of those kind of bottom lines that we've talked about over the course of the campaign, referendum on the treaty, is that a definite for you? Yeah, look, it's something that I think has to happen for New Zealand. And we'll be making the case. I mean, you may have seen recent polling um, has come out that says that, you know, about 60% of people agree with X version, 22% disagree, the rest aren't sure. Yeah, uh, this so is that's something the bottom that, line. Yeah, this is something that is now incredibly popular. You love <laughs> you love using that term. I just make the case that it's something that needs to happen. We're going to argue very strongly okay, that it and, should and public service cuts, are they going to go a lot further with Act such a, a show of force in this future government? Yeah, I think I think that's really the test is, you know, do you get more with Act in there than you would have got otherwise? How many do you want out? How, what, what, what's your kind of dream number of... Well, I just, I just say, look, in 2017... Uh, New Zealand had a government with 15,000 fewer public servants, core public servants. I'm not, I'm not talking going about... Going back to 15,000 yeah, yeah, job I'm, losses. Yeah, I'm not, not talking about teachers, not talking about dentists or doctors or police officers or prison officers. I'm talking about that people sitting... That is an sitting, almighty people act hanging over the public service. Well, well it, it, not really. I mean, it, it takes us back to the number we had in 2017. It's 15,000 um, jobs by when, Christmas, as Labor's um, been saying? It, it's impractical to do that. Uh, Labor have been misleading you if I've said that. Um, but, you know, the facts are that... We have put an extra 30% more people into the public service. We've put an extra 30% more money per capita after inflation. And just about any indicator of public sector performance has got worse. Um, that has to be fixed. Right. New Zealand can't succeed if we don't fix that. We have to leave it there. But just quickly, you will give full, full support for National's tax cut plan? I think there's going to be a third party in that negotiation called fiscal reality. Um, let's just see how the numbers stack up. All right, David Seymour, congratulations again. Thank you very much, Tova. Morena, James Shaw, Green Party co-leader. Congratulations. Morning. Thank you. A little bit bitter, bittersweet, though? Or a yeah, of course. Bit bittersweet? Yeah, of course it is. I mean... Uh we're obviously delighted with the result that we had in terms of the size of our caucus, picking up those three electorate seats, and it is sad to be leaving government when there's still so much work to be done, but that is the way the cookie crumbles. Wellington Central was one of the big stories yes. on the night, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. So not taking anything away from the Green Party win, because yeah. decisive, yeah. but also do you think a message to Labour from um, perhaps those kind of urban libs around a, a wealth tax, the fact that you campaigned on it, they ruled it out? Yeah, maybe. But actually, if you look at Wellington Central and uh, Rongotai, they are our top two party vote. You know, we've we've actually beaten Labour in the party vote there as far back as 2011, 2014. Mm. Uh, and so 
when it became an open seat with Grant stepping aside, that created an opening for us. And so I, I think it's more about, um, you know, because it's been our sort of top vote-getting area in the whole country, people are now just converting that to having Green representatives. And, you know, we've got a Green mayor as well, so mm. that's pretty good. And, my gosh, Auckland Central is yeah. a roller coaster, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I mean, we knew, we knew that was tight, um, but the story there, of course, is that Chloe won that in the face of the red wave, and mm. then she held it in the face of the blue wave. And so I think that speaks to kind of both her and the strength of the Green vote in in, in Auckland Central. What do you, I mean, it's been a, a campaign, both sides levelling ac- accusations of fear and misinformation yeah. and, and negativity and, and all of these things. What do you think the next three years is going to look like? Are we going to see some of those um, kind of horror stories that the left were promulgating during yeah. the, the campaign come to bear? I, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know, and I, I think that that I think that's where we will get to see the measure of Christopher Luxon as a prime minister. You know, um, whether uh, he will kind of um, seek to understand those concerns and then try and uh, rebuild some kind of national consensus around how we go forward together, um, or whether he kind of um, acts on the rhetoric uh, of of the campaign. And and I, you know, it's it's day one, so um, hard to tell. And what for race relations in New Zealand? We've talked to David Seymour already this yeah. morning, and he has said that there will that will be a bottom line. They will be pushing for that treaty on on co-governance on the uh, pushing for that referendum on, yeah. the, on the treaty. W- what's that going to do? I for the think country? I think if you have well, you've just seen the equivalent of that in Australia, where you have mm. a majority that has voted to. Uh, continue to override the um, uh, indigenous rights there Um, and I think that you could see something very similar here Um, and I I think that if that happens you'll see wide-scale social disruption Um, you you know it could lead to uh, violence I would be horrified to see where where that could go so um, I and and that's why I say I think it's the measure of Christopher Luxon as a prime minister I, I mean he did say during the campaign that he thought that that would be divisive, um, and I agree with him on that. The question is, will he be strong enough as a Prime Minister to keep act in the box and not let them have that referendum? You, th- you think it could lead to violence? Because we are, as a country, we're still raw, aren't we? We're, we're kinda, very raw. Yeah, yeah, and that's quite an ominous, it was a very ominous prospect. Yeah, it is. I mean, the, the th- what you've got here is kind of two completely different worldviews. On the one hand... Um, you know, I'm going to try and say this as dispassionately as I can because you know I've got, I'm very strongly of one of these two views, um, which is uh, the view that uh, sharing power and and sharing responsibility um, with Marty uh, on the basis of um, sort of treaty law uh, as has you know kind of generations of court decisions and so on. Does that give us, um, is, is that how we bring the country together by essentially having a, a bicultural um, uh, a kind of nation um, or bicultural foundation for a multicultural nation versus on the other hand, um, the way that I perceive it, this idea that um, that partnership or that that sense of um, uh, you know, having any kind of duality, that that in itself 
comes at a cost to the majority and that um, that therefore needs to be resisted. And, and and that that is divisive, you know. Oh, sorry, that the that the other view is divisive. Mm. So so each of those believes, that each of those sides believe that they understand what unity entails, mm. and are accusing the other of being divisive. And when you've got that kind of parallel worldview, you know, and by parallel I mean those tracks don't intersect at any yeah, point. Yeah, day is night, night is day. Exactly. The idea that a referendum to assert one of those worldviews over the other, that is incredibly dangerous. And actually what we need to do is to try and work out how to build some consensus across those two worldviews. And I think probably parties on both sides of that have been um, culpable for that that kind of um, that tension there. Also in amongst that that uh, dichotomy is, is Winston Peters yeah. pulling out um, to a kind of more helicopter view, the country is on tenter hooks to see whether or not he's yeah. going to play a part in this. What's your in this future government? What's your pick? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I've got absolutely no idea. You know, the numbers are. St- I mean, like the fact that there's still half a million votes to count is which often go your way. They do. Yes. Uh, I mean, we just tipped from 13 to 14 MPs, which mm. means the hill that we've got to climb to pick up a 15th is is very steep. So mm. I, I wouldn't be surprised if if we didn't pick that up. But also we know that the advance votes leaned heavily national. Uh, so, you know, I mean, God knows where those specials are going to go. Uh, and just finally, you personally going to stay on for the, the full term? Uh, I, look, I haven't, you know, we had this conversation last time I was here. And it's still not a resounding yes by the sounds of things. Well, no, but I, I mean, I, I wasn't kidding when I said I had one plan. Uh, that plan was to be sitting around a cabinet table with Labour. Obviously, that option isn't available, so I'm going to have to think about it. But in the meantime, I've got seven new MPs starting tomorrow morning, caucus of 14. Uh, we're going to have to develop an opposition strategy. We've got quite a lot of work to do, um, and you know I'm really excited about my new colleagues, so that's going to keep me busy. All right. Thank you very much for your time, James Shaw. Congratulations and commiserations again. Thank you. Kia ora, I'm Adam Blair. I played the great game of rugby league for the Storm, Tigers, Broncos and the Mighty Warriors. And I'm Goran Paladin, sports presenter and rugby league fanatic. I won a World Cup too. I played 51 tests for New Zealand. Yeah, he's a national treasure, people. Come on. Blairy and I, we're joining forces for a brand new rugby league podcast called League of Our Own. Each week we talk Kiwis across the NRL and of course everything was. All the big names, the big stories. And some of my own stories too. Well, if we can make them fit. We'll make time. Okay. League of Our Own with Blairy and Goran. Debut ep dropping on Wednesday afternoon and every Wednesday after that. You can listen through stuff.co.nz or wherever you get your podcast. Proudly brought to you by Snap Rentals. Mate, your your stories are way too long, eh? Nah, we've got to take them on a journey. <laughs> oh, the journey. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Shane Jones from New Zealand First, stepping in for a hopefully snoozing Winston Peters. Morena, kia ora. Morena, Toba. Mo- nice to talk to you. Nice to talk to you. Congratulations, Shane Jones. Last election, it was a gallon of red. What was it last night? Oh, no, no, no. It was a very... Um, a very dangerous but enjoyable Cuban cigar. <laughs> um, how How's the New Zealand First Camp feeling? How's Matua Winston? Oh, no, as he said last night, look, it's uh, the rising of the phoenix, but more importantly, it's a dividend for all the hard work 
and you were one of the first uh, journos to call it in the sense that there's a gradual rise of support from the voting base in New Zealand and it delivered on the night, mate. And d- does National need to tie hoard, do you think, until the specials are in before starting any, any coalition talks? Is one seat in it as it stands? Well, 2008, 11, 14 and 17, National and the specials went down. I understand Chris Bishop has said that um, they might lose a seat. He needs to bear in mind in 2017 they lost two seats. So there's no option other than waiting for the final tabulations through the... Uh, you know, the other thing too, I mean, after the special, the other thing to bear in mind, politics is about leverage, and leverage depends on, you know, have you got the numbers? And at this stage, it would be unwise for the National Party to lead with their chin. Let's just tie her, and uh, we will see what uh, falls out of the mix. But uh, if politics can be analogised, Tova, to a deck of cards, then they're still being shuffled, but New Zealand first has got the choker. And, and uh, Winston Peters, in his speech last night, made the point that New Zealand First can, if if they can help, you will going forward. What what did he mean? What what do you think that help will look like? Even if National and ACT have a majority, could there be some kind of outside of cabinet governing arrangement or agreement, some kind of coalition or cooperation agreement between New Zealand First, ACT, and National? Well. Uh, on the various times that Winston has negotiated to form government, there have been different permutations. But he said well before the election that we're not in the business of holding anyone to ransom. Um, we are privileged that enough Kiwis gave us 6.5% of the vote and uh, we'll show great fidelity to the love that they've shared with us, electorally speaking. And we won't uh, do anything that departs from what Winston said. We will not do anything that uh, is going to worsen uncertainty and anxiety. But it's a negotiation and it'll happen after the final vote has been counted. Does it feel like there's any potential still for a, a Deputy Prime Minister, Winston Peters? Ah, oh, no, too early to talk about uh, honorifics. Let's just tie ho and wait till the specials uh, arrive. What about a kind of foreign minister outside of Cabinet role? Um, well, I'd say to people, you know, look at uh, look at the past as a guide to the future. There's different permutations that New Zealand First has been a part of. But um, we're just so happy that here in Russell, we were delivered a dividend and we're on our way back to Parliament and the movement will be a feature of the landscape of Parliament. And uh, I think that people, we're going to bank that. And Chris Bishop last night wasn't ruling out um, Cordell Winston as potentially Speaker of the House. How would that look? Yeah, I have heard uh, John Key has been walking around that idea, but uh, that's a bit uh, above my pay grade. Um, and, and what about you, Jonesy? Have you got your eye on any baubles? Another billion dollars for the provinces? <laughs> uh, you, you sound like you're taking lyrics out of a TikTok song there. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, are you, what are you thinking, mate? What, is, what does the next term look like for you? Uh, well, obviously we've got to consolidate and create momentum so New Zealand First, as Winston said, starts to prepare for the next election. And I don't want to be um, trivial uh, putting the answer in that vein. But look, a lot of hard work, Tova, went in behind the scenes amongst the supporters. We've got some MPs who were previously in the House, Jenny Markroft. I know she'll be hell-bent on ensuring that our message is consistently um, echoed. And Mark Patterson from the Deep South, and we've got a new team. So, you know, there's a, there's a great job to 
mm. be done and project project the personality of New Zealand First back into New Zealand politics. Can you promise to us that if New Zealand First is in any form of coalition negotiation or cooperation, whatever, talks with National and ACT, they won't be protracted, they won't blow out beyond a month? Yeah, no, well, um, obviously Winston has said that um, in the event that that takes place, and I agree with him, people want certainty, but people also need to abide by the fact that the law requires all the special votes to be counted. And that needs to take place. Will Winston Peters see out the full term in opposition, if, if that's indeed the way it shakes down? Now, you are asking me, after we're tasting the sweet uh, <laughs> nectar of victory, whether or not my rangatira is going to be around in three years' time. You obviously want me to either lose a limb or lose my life. Fair. <laughs> All right, Matua Shane, thank you very much for your time. I can't get there. Bye-bye. Party Māori President John Tamahiri joins me now. Morena, congratulations. Yeah, look, I'm here because the co-leaders are in transit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they're coming up to Auckland to meet as a caucus, um, as we do. And how did the party celebrate last night? Everyone was in their, their various electorates, yeah. so it'll be quite, it's going to be quite something, isn't it, when everyone comes together oh, for the yeah, first time? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I was in no party like the Māori party. <laughs> but, um, the, no, they, they all come together, and um, they, but you've got to honour your team's... Um, in your own electorates, uh, which is the right thing to do, and then then you transfer to Tamakim Karu um, after the event to just plan strategy. And at one point, it looked like Te Pāti Māori was almost going to get a clean sweep of the Māori seats. You definitely had six, kind of like yep. you were in the lead on early on. Do you think you could have pulled it off if you'd done things differently? Well, look, I, I think um, Mecca, uh, despite her loss, provided us with a significant boost into the election in May. And we never look back from then. Okay, so the energy uh, across all electorates, organisationally and otherwise, lifted. Um, in terms of success relevant to um, dollar values that were invested into any party, we will be the most successful because <laughs> um, we have bugger all. Mm, uh, it's only 50k in the end or something. Well, well that's others. right. That's right. They had to empty the, uh, the bank to, to just keep the movement going. So you know. Um, so on a on a cost basis, uh, if you have a look at the other parties and what they spent, you know, well, we'll, we'll, we'll always come out in front. Do you think Mika's regretting her choice coming over to you guys? No, um, she's she's coming up today too. Uh, I, I'm grateful that she did because, like I said, it gave us a fillip uh, across all other electorates, and uh, it, it pushed us into profiling. At, and and look. Polls don't poll us well because they're polls of non-Māori preferences because mm. yeah, our cohorts are so small uh, in each one of those polls. So so that, that polling... And your electorates are so massive. Yeah, and that polling sentiment uh, sort of sort of isn't a true reflection of what's going on. One of the big stories of the night for Labour, for Te Pāti Māori, for the Parliament is Hanarafati Maipi Clark, 21 Credible. years old, dethroning a government minister. An institution. Uh, the Mahotas are, um, that's, that's the king's Royalty, name. literal, literal yeah, royalty. Yeah, yeah, so she, um, and she went off the list to try and force her people to back her at all costs. Um, but, you know, what's happening is the 70% of all Māori under the age of 40, and we've been very intentional about uh, building uh, an intergenerational political movement. Uh, we're not based on personalities, hopefully, but based on um, their contribution to the cause, and so um, you, you'll see uh, if you look at our candidature, it reflects a family, you know, and we, we've got to reflect um, whānau principles and all the rest of it. So that's that's what happened with her. And she she's an incredible um, talent. She reminds me of a young Chloe Schwarbrick, right? 
because Chloe is, is an outstanding Weird to think intellect. Chloe is old now compared yes, to, that's yeah, right, that's right. relatively speaking. Well, can you imagine what she thinks of me? So, you know, um, yeah, so that's, uh, so that, that's gratifying for all young people to, to be part of a political narrative because they're normally not. Hmm. We, earlier we spoke to David Seymour. He is making this treaty on the uh, this referendum on the treaty a, a bottom line, yeah. basically, in, in coalition negotiations with the National Party. What's that going to do for the country? Well, see, that's the tyranny of the majority. And um, he knows, as I know, because we all can count, that the largest voter cohort in Aotearoa um, is 50 overs, uh, 900,000 in Pākehā. And so, so, so what I wanted to say was, is that when the treaty was signed, uh, we, we were 100,000 and he was 2,000, who he's talking for. Um, and we consented to, to have an arrangement uh, and, and settlement by consent. You don't unwind uh, 30 years of uh, hard-won incremental um, treaty jurisprudence overnight with the, uh, with the tyranny of the majority. Uh, there will be uh, significant civil unrest and we don't, uh, and nor should any leader take us down that track. This is what James Shaw said to us this morning as well, that he's concerned there could be violence if this if this referendum is held. The, well, we, it could we've cause got no such choice. division. But we've got no choice. You see, when when you back people into a corner and, and they've got nothing else to do, they, they, they have to resort to protest, right? And then that, and because we're well organised up and down the country, that, that protest will, will be uh, significant, as it should be. You know, and you uh, don't yeah. think that protest will be peaceful? Oh, I can't talk for um, protest action up and I, I can discipline our teams, but I can't talk for others uh, because uh, there'll be uh, days of uh, national Māori action and uh, they'll close down Whangarei, Auckland, Tauranga, Hamilton, Wellington, and so we go, you see. So um, and, and when, when, when we start rolling those, you then start to see the true capacity and capability of our movement not not to overthrow um, the and we, well, we've, democracy. Seen, we've seen peaceful mm. examples of that before the hikoi over the foreshore and seabed yeah. but do you think this 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 one w- it wouldn't be peaceful I don't know uh, what I'm saying to you is, is that there will be si- significant uh, civil disobedience what I mean by that is uh, if you have a look at the um, vaccine deniers and that they push cops out of the way on the harbour bridge and never got arrested for assault, as we would, um, with the, 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 that was uh, tinder dry, ready to go. Then, you with me? Uh, with with this um, so-called freedoms group. So, uh, I can't answer the question for you. Um, uh, Mr. Seymour will have to answer that question, right? That's why he's probably hiring more cops and building more prisons. You're not supporting or endorsing violence, though, are you? Just I endorse uh, absolutely my right to protest uh, against any government. Even if it comes to extreme, more extreme measures. No, I didn't say that at all. No, I just said right. to you, I endorse uh, the right of protest. Totally. Yeah. Every, everyone, yeah. everyone does. Yeah. Okay. You endorse violent protest as well. Do you? I, I endorse the right to peace, peaceful protest. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't uh, personally well, endorse well, well, violent protest. Of course, protest. We, of course we agree. Okay. Um, and just finally, you were talking as well before we hit the, the big red record button, but you've got some concerns around some of the polling booths as well in the Māori electorates? Well, we all know that there was a digital uh, outage across the country, I understand. Uh, the extent of adverse impact that had on people waiting or how the queues uh, worked thereafter uh, is an issue. Uh, <clears throat> then I, I think that the education of um, electoral commission staff is very scattery. 
and you've got some outstanding registrars, and then you've got some people uh, like even Rawiri Waititi uh, voting at the mall in Rotorua was uh, asked to go to a special queue because they couldn't find him on the roll. Uh, he had to open the roll to find it and point it out to his name. Are you questioning the result of the, the election? No, I'm questioning the conduct of it. And I think everybody should be able to cast a vote equally uh, and without the same uh, misapprehensions and difficulties that are visited on um, Māori voters when they're uh, when in doubt, throw them into the special voters line, right? When um, uh, over a million people didn't have uh, the easy vote card and um, with our options on and um, over uh, 30,000 voters uh, who had pl- applied that option mm. uh, being caught between general roles and Māori roles, you know, it goes. So it was a bit messy all up and down the country. All right, we'll put that to the electoral commission as, as yeah. well and see what they're planning to do to perhaps rectify um, some of those issues. Thank well, you well, re- well, rectifying it is a bit late. Yeah, well, that's true. Mm. See what they're planning to do to prevent sure. it from happening again or to see what their response is on them as well. John Tamahide, thank you very much for your time. Kia ora. We are now officially on the flip side. I am joined by the brilliant uh, political editor for staff, Luke Malpass, and the magnificent and also brilliant uh, national affairs editor for The Post and Sunday Star Times, Andrea Vance, Morena Kōrua, kia ora, wowee. Good morning. Good morning. It's a bleak, bleak day here. And of course, I'm talking about the rugby result. I don't care about the election anymore. <laughs> and, and only in that way that New Zealand can just pivot so effortlessly between politics to rugby. Um, you guys are kind of a tale of two election nights. Luke, you were with me at the National Party headquarters. Andrea down in Wellington. We'd better start with the victors. The mood in that room, eh? Everyone's jaws on the floor. What was your What was your reading of the room last night? Luke? Obviously everyone there was, was, was chuffed. They were they were amped, particularly as the early results came in and it looked like they were at forty two percent. Got probably you know, tempered slightly later in the later in the night, but I mean it was it was it was a clear um, mood of uh, elation and um, and you know that they're returning to the returning to the Treasury benches after after six years, um, four of which have been extremely difficult for the National Party. Mm, it was quite, and then when Luxon arrived, quite presidential and that kind of arrival, and he just really was the rock star cult leader of the of the moment. Conversely, Andrea, um, you were with the boy from the hut in the hut, and you compared it to a funeral. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, look, it was pretty. I, I think the mood was pretty apprehensive uh, from the beginning. I got there pretty early. Uh, it took a while to fill up. There was. Yeah, resignation from the beginning, you know, like National came out of the blocks pretty pretty soon in terms of those early results. And uh, honestly, by, by the, towards the end of the night, you know, when um, when the Nationals lead started to drop a little bit, by that stage, no one was really paying any attention because <laughs> there was a lot of wine being drunk. I was quite surprised. The queue for the bar was huge. And uh, and they, were not, they weren't just handing out glasses. They were handing out... Full bottles bottles. of they, they come in a perfectly thankfully. good glass as it is the bottle. Yeah, exactly. And thank, thankfully, there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of comfort food on offer last night. Stodgy sausage rolls, as you would expect, and some meat pies to soak up all that uh, commiseration alcohol. But yeah, it was it was a pretty bleak night. But um, Hipkins gave a good speech. It was full of heart. 
you know, he had his head held high as he entered the room and, you know, was received with rapturous applause. And I should say, the absolute standout hero of the night last night was Greg O'Connor. <laughs> In a room full of MPs losing their job, ministers losing their job, Greg O'Connor was just hanging on in there. Uh, he was a he was a, a little oasis of calm in the middle of it all. He was telling me that he he celebrated the birth of his grandson this week, so he was feeling nice. pretty good about it all. And uh, yeah, so that was a, that was one bright spot in an otherwise uh, pretty bleak evening for a guy who has been maligned and sidelined by the Labour Party um, for any kind of cabinet roles or senior roles within the party. He ended up being the kind of one of the greatest victors. Look, I'm um, speaking of speeches. What did you make of Christopher Luxon's? What do you what do you think of the the kind of the direction from what we know so far, what we saw on the campaign, what we heard last night, the kind of direction he's going to take the country and the government and what kind of prime minister will he be? Well, I mean, his speech was pretty paint by numbers. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, he, um, he has a formula that he uses uh, for these sorts of things and he didn't deviate from it last night. Uh, it was really just more of the same that we've heard on the campaign trail, uh, which, which was, you know, we're going to have a strong government, going to govern for all New Zealanders um, and uh, it's a turnaround job. I think he used that term last night. He certainly did in the, um, the press conference afterwards. So um, it was what it was and it was, it was perfectly fine. I think the interesting thing will be now how Christopher Luxon can go goes from uh, I guess all of the rote lines that he has been doing his entire campaign to now that he he'll be governing and he'll actually be doing stuff and hands on hands on the levers, uh, how that style evolves and changes. Yeah, for sure. It's um and and also there are still so many variables in in the the mix which we'll talk about shortly. One of them, you know, the the main variable being um the the right honourable Winston Peters. But before that, before we talk about him, Andrea National did did really well in those advance votes when and then things kind of started to settle into the less definitive result that we we have now. Does that show that the campaign did actually have a late momentum swing for Labour and and had it plucked itself up sooner, could it have actually won this thing or with Winston? in the mix was there just no way no how um generally there's a when national's in the lead there's a bit of a blue mirage just because that's the way that they count the seats so you have to be really careful um especially for those of us with early deadlines about calling it too early and of course as as i sort of was saying through the night nationals lead then ebbed away a little bit um and came down from i think i think it was at a 42 was the highest and then it's and then it's sort of um came down a few notches after that so so that was to be expected for me um did labor have a bump at the end but the polls certainly said so it wasn't as catastrophic as it could have been mm. it, it wasn't it wasn't 2014 which was which was the worst ever result and um, but it wasn't far off i would think it was the second worst um overall although that will change there's still a lot of votes current um so there was maybe a little bump i think the only thing that that, that will do is just um sort of save Chris Hipkins from evisceration by the party. You know, I don't think anyone could deny that he had a good campaign. It was a negative campaign. I think that's how Chris Hipkins campaigns at his best. You know, he's a real scrapper. He came out the first couple of weeks, as we all know, were pretty lackluster. And then he, you know, he really came out, um, came out of the blocks and, uh, and gave it a red hot go. Um, so I think, look, it didn't really help them on the night, but it probably will help in terms of the party morale and the shape of the leadership that's to come. Because I think 
all this, all the indications and all the senses I got last night from from the party HQ was that no one's that keen to see the back of Chippy. Mm. Um, they well, recognise really that he, <laughs> to take his place. Well, yeah, there, there's that, there is there is that, but um, you know that there's a sense that he should um that he should stick around. I think someone said to me last night, at least to the budget, I would say probably even beyond that. You know, they've they've seen seen what happens in their own caucus and then with the National Party, what happens when you roll someone too early and you don't have a plan and a strategy for opposition in place and then you just end up with years and years of, of fighting and, and um, sort of warfare within the caucus. So, yeah, I, I got a sense that they were managing that pretty well last night mm. whether that materializes exactly in the next few days and weeks exactly. like you know it, you, they can also be very sensible on the night and in the days after but but actually as as people start to leave and 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 the remnants of the caucus are left and they start to you know contemplate the future that 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 might that might change but as you say who else is there there's no one left mm, and and hundred every single opposition says we're going to stay in this we're going to stay united we're not going to start in fighting and go through this russian roulette of leaders and then every single opposition ends up doing just that but i think there's probably a different hand that hipkins has been dealt here because a lot of the faults of um, I think the, the the things that led to his eventual drubbing weren't necessarily faults of his own. Um, and also a lot's been made of the kind of negative campaign that they ran. I think when your back's against a wall and you've got nothing to mm. lose, and when you're Chris Hipkins and you've got strengths in that area, actually that was a tactic that, that they should have taken to the election. Nothing was really going to work at that point, but they had to throw everything at it. Can I end, we've got a wrap guys, but can I end on very quick predictions from you each on Winston Peters, starting with you, Lukey? It will depend on what happens when the special votes come in. I mean, at the moment, the National Party don't strictly need him. Uh, however, I think probably they'll be thinking about stability of government and maybe, you know, tossing New Zealand first a couple of things. Obviously, that's that equation will change if... If uh, if the specials dictate that national basically you know don't have a majority because if you're one short or twenty short, you still have to deal with Winston Peters at that point from a position of strength and and but but still you know there'll have to be a deal to be done and he will he will he will have more cards to play with. And fancy what next for Winnie? Yeah, agreed. Look, I think there's probably going to be an overhang, um, and because of Tapati Mori's um, resounding success, so I think they're probably going to need him, even if they don't need him. Um, as Lux says, I think they'll they'll I think Luxon will take a take a leaf from the playbook of his mentor John Key, who brought in Tapati Mori when he didn't really need them, um, just to ensure ensure that um, stability in government. Look, we've over the last year, how many MPs have we seen leave in scandal? You know, like what is it? Five ministers, Gaurav Sharma. You're only one MP away from a drama or a scandal. <laughs> so I think it's necessary. I think I think Winston's back, baby. Back, baby, big time. Um, you can never rule him out as the trite, most hackneyed saying in politics goes, and it's cliche <laughs> for a reason. It's just damn true. Guys, thank you so much for your incredible coverage over the course of the campaign. Thank you for coming on the podcast week after week, and we'll do it all again next week as the coalition negotiations kick off in earnest. Thank you, Andrea Vance and Luke Malpass. You've been listening to a special post-election edition of The Pod, hosted and produced by me, Tova O'Brien, and we'll be back to regular programming on Thursday. You can listen to all the episodes of the podcast at stuff.co.nz slash Tova or wherever you get your podcasts. 
follow us on your favourite podcast app. You'll get the latest episode automatically and keep an eye on the feed for bonus shortcasts. I'm always interested to hear from you as well. Email tova at stuff.co.nz, especially after the election. What did you guys think? Thank you so much to audio editor extraordinaire Connor Scott and our executive producer and audio editor this week, Chris Reed. Most of all, thanks to you for listening. A week is a long time in politics. Anything can happen, as we saw last night. We got you. If you like this podcast, please support our work. Visit stuff.co.nz support.